Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. I believe because of misuse and because of lack of understanding, most of the church today is walking in the power of the flesh rather than the power of the Spirit. Because we are afraid, because we don't understand, or because we've seen such abuse. Beloved, I believe that the gifts of the Spirit are valid for today. In today's message, Pastor David explores the question, did prophecy end with the completion of the scriptures? The scriptures teachings hold greater authority than the instruction or interpretation of a person today. But Pastor David explains how this doesn't negate the gifts of God in our time. Too often believers are walking in the power of human strength due to misunderstandings or past misuse of God's gifts. Don't allow anything to hold you back from serving as God leads you. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message entitled, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit, Part Two. prophecy. Again, the the apostles moved in the gifts of prophecy. One of the things that we know, the gift of prophecy, as I said, not a prediction. Uh, It's, uh, again, it's a, a word of edification more than anything else. The apostles moved in the gift of prophecy. They had that gift as they ministered to the body around. At the same time, there were others within the community, within the body of churches at the time of the apostles who were prophets, who had the call of prophecy. Agabus was, was called a prophet. The sons of, or the daughters of Philip, they had the gift of prophecy. And there were other prophets, but yet they weren't apostles. So does that make sense to you? The apostles had the gift of prophecy, but not everybody that had the gift of prophecy was an apostle. The gift came as a gift of teaching, able to instruct the body of believers in the message of Christ, the work of faith. And however, again, though an apostle may have the gift of prophecy, not everybody who has the gift of prophecy is going to be an apostle. That's how easy that is. Johnson goes on to say a little bit later, he says, perhaps prophecy tends to occur in the present moment with exhortation, comfort, hope, rebuke, and a call for repentance while teaching involves more explanation, in-depth understanding, and clarification of the faith. I believe that someone who is truly teaching or preaching the Word of God, honestly, according to what the Word says, probably moves in both teaching and prophecy at the same time. 
I, I don't believe that you can be effective in a pulpit ministry without in some way having the gift of prophecy. Because again, speaking the truth of God's word. Different than teaching. I believe again, teaching also as a gift of the spirit, but different than prophecy. The other questions that we looked at dealing with this whole thing, we see that uh, prophecy in the New Testament, does it really include foretelling as well as forthtelling? So again, foretelling, what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, five years from now, versus forthtelling. This is what God's Word declares. This is the declaration of who God is. Now, you can declare something moving in the gift of prophecy that does foretell. In other words, if our nation does not repent, we are going to be under the judgment of God. Now that's telling something that's going to happen, but it's actually just telling forth what has, God has already revealed and made known to us. Again, some New Testament prophets, such as Agabus, they predicted events that were going to occur in the near future. Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, man, they're going to bind you up. They're going to lock you up. Don't go to Jerusalem. Paul went anyway. The apostles, they wrote about and spoke about coming apostasy, that these things are going to happen. We understand that. Now, we also know the book of Revelation written by the apostle John, totally predictive on that end. We understand We know that special gift that God gave to John during that time. But again, the chief focus seems to be exhortation, teaching, warnings, and hope. Again, sometimes they come across with exhortation and comfort and hope. Sometimes it's rebuke, and sometimes it's it's call for repentance. That's also within that gift of prophecy. Whereas teaching, again, involves more explanation, in-depth understanding, clarification of the faith. So we look at this, and we see pretty much the judgment seems to be that uh, between this, uh, rather it be an ecstatic speech, uncontrolled emotional experience, rapture or trance, whatever it might be, and that of speaking in other ways, in in a planned purpose, a prayed through and prepared sermon. I believe that both of them can be, but I believe that again, as Paul directs the church, you've got to be careful in the usage of what, how that gift is, is being used. Again, content alone really is the thing that distinguishes prophecy from other forms of spirit-inspired speech. Somewhere, and there we go, content alone seems to distinguish prophecy from other forms of spirit-inspired speech. Another gentleman by the name of Peter Lang, he writes that the gift of prophecy is not some blind, rhapsodic excitement, but it's one united with the move of the Holy Spirit with a clear self-consciousness and the free exercise of the facilities. And the discourse is carried on in an exalted and earnest yet perfectly intelligible strain. In other words, what he's saying is the prophet is in control. He's not just going wacky, totally out of control. And that's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14. No, the prophet is under, has control of the spirit of prophecy. There's no indication that spirit-inspired prophecy in the New Testament comes in those speech forms that we hear so often today. 
So often today we hear people saying that they're speaking through the gift of prophecy and they're using God's name in first person, I. Uh, you know, thus saith the Lord to his people, I, yada, 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 and yada, 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 yada. We hear that a lot. And yet I don't see that within the word of God. I don't see that within Paul's teachings of 1 Corinthians outside of, again, the book of Revelation. That seems to be the one exception, but contemporary so-called prophets who speak in the first person as if God is speaking, I think that can be highly questionable. Highly questionable. I won't say that it's not 100%. I'm just saying that test the spirits to see if they really are of God. Some believe that the ministry of prophet ceased with the completion of the New Testament. According to some, there's two places in the New Testament that contain the suggestion that perhaps not all the gifts of the Spirit were intended to continue on. The first one is found in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. You can turn there if you would. I'm going to read it for you. In Hebrews 2, 1 to 4, the past tense is used of the early church's experience. Verse 1 of chapter 2 of the book of Hebrews says, Therefore we must give the most earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if, escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Now they read that and they say, well, because he's writing with everything is in the past tense, he's not really saying that they're necessary for now. The other one, again, or the the whole thought, the idea of those that hold that view, they also believe uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can flip back over there if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 down uh, actually beginning in verse 8. That again, that they're speaking that prophecy and tongues will cease. Verse 8 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. There's a lot of problems with the belief that what this verse is saying does away with the gifts of the Spirit. First of all, those that hold this view believe that the words, that which is perfect has come, means that once we finally get a completed version of the canon of the Scripture. Well, that didn't happen for years and years and years after the first century. I mean, long time before we actually canonized all the Scripture. So this wasn't the thing that says, when that which is perfect is come, we'll do away with it. When you follow on in the next verses, you realize that Paul's speaking of a time when we'll get to a point where we know all things. I believe that what he's speaking there. We don't know all things even when we have the Word of God. 
When are we going to know all things, church? Amen. When we are face-to-face with Christ Jesus. He says, right now, man, we're looking through a glass darkly, but then, man, I'm going to be face-to-face. Then I'm going to know just as I'm known. And when that happens, hey, I don't need the gift of knowledge anymore because, man, we're there. We know it. I don't need the gift of prophecy anymore. Man, I'm, I'm experiencing the very presence of God because I'm there in his presence. Sure, these are temporary gifts. All the gifts are temporary. But we're still temporary right here too. And that which is perfect is not come. Oh, I'm waiting for the trumpet sound. I'm waiting at any day and time for it to happen. But it hasn't happened yet. I don't know about you, but I still need to be lifted up. I need to be encouraged. I need to be taught. I need to be corrected. I need to be challenged. I need to be edified in in the word and in the Lord. I need someone to come and and speak to me at times. Again, just the richness of the Lord. Uh, Again, because again, man, we're, we're still in this world. We're still doing battle here. Oh, the word is great, and the reading of the word, and the study of the word, and just the quietness of of meditating on the word is great. But you know what? That doesn't negate the gifts that are also necessary and needful. Think of it this way. Even when Jesus was here in his earthly ministry, he used the gifts. He spoke with knowledge. He He did miracles. He did healings. All of these things were there. Why? Because we weren't complete yet. We were still very physical. We were still very limited. But when that time comes that, man, we can get rid of this old carcass that we're hauling around and we're in his presence, then we won't need it anymore. It's interesting, too, to note that those that interpret those verses that way Pretty much, they mean that only a portion of the gifts are going to be done away with. You know, the ones like miracles and healings and tongues, interpretation of tongues, as well as prophecy. We don't need those anymore, those that interpret it the way that we just spoke. However, most of them feel that the other gifts, oh, gifts say like faith. Uh, Gifts like, oh, the discerning of spirits. Yeah, we definitely need those. Oh, not to mention the, the ones at the end of chapter 2 or, or chapter 12, like, oh, teachers. Do we still need the gift of teachers today? Well, yeah. How about the gift of helps? Certainly. The gift of administrations? Yeah. We still need all of those. So why do they say that some are done away with, but not all of them? It becomes once again a, a pick-and-choose theology for my own comfort zone religion. You see, I'm not comfortable when I hear somebody speaking in tongues because I don't understand it. Does that make it invalid? No, that simply means you don't understand it. Well, I'm not comfortable with some of these other sign gifts. Okay, is it because you don't understand it or because you've seen it so misused? in the past. I believe because of misuse and because of lack of understanding, most of the church today is walking in the power of the flesh 
rather than the power of the Spirit. Because we are afraid, because we don't understand, or because we've seen such abuse. Beloved, I believe that the gifts of the Spirit are valid for today. I absolutely agree that there has been great abuse and misuse within the body of believers across denominational lines. I believe that there's been way too little solid, direct, biblical teaching with biblical understanding of the gifts because, again, we get into comfort zones. And you know what? You and I, too many times, we're more comfortable moving in the flesh because I can understand that. Oh, and you know what? I can control that. But when suddenly we release and we see God working and moving, maybe he's going to speak through somebody that you wonder, I don't know that person. I, I, what's, what's, what's behind their name? What studies have they had? Maybe they haven't had that kind of a training. Maybe they don't have all kinds of degrees. But maybe they're just so surrendered to the Holy Spirit in their life that God's willing to use them. After all, God used a jackass once to speak his word. Amen? <laughs> Balaam's donkey. Not much training in that old boy, but he certainly spoke the truth, didn't he? Do you think God, if God can do that with a donkey, he could do that with you or I? Absolutely. As long as we're surrendered to him. As long as we're not walking in fear, but we're walking in expectation, as I shared Sunday, and we're walking with anticipation, and we're walking in obedience to where God can use me. It's two things that'll keep God from using you in your life. You might want to write these down. I don't have them on my notes. But there's two things that will keep God from using you in your life. Disobedience and fear. Disobedience and fear. God says, Peter, come on out of the water. No, 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 no. I'm not coming out of the water. I've seen what happens when you people get in water with seas this rough. They die. I'm not getting out of that boat. You see, if Peter would have processed that whole system the way that most of the church processes the move of God in our lives. He would have stayed in the boat out of fear. And yet because he trusted God more than the fear that he had of those waters. It doesn't mean he, he wasn't afraid. After all, what happened when he got out there? He looked down. We know that. Okay, he was, he, he was a real person just like you and I, but he was still willing to step out. And now all through the ages, outside of Jesus, only one guy has walked on the water, and that's Peter. We, we jump on the fact that, hey, he failed. He looked at the waves, but the fact is, no, he got out of the boat. He didn't allow his fear 
to control him at that point in time. When Peter was there on the rooftop in the town of Joppa, Simon the Tanner's house, and he was like really hungry. He's up on the roof waiting for lunchtime, and he goes and goes to sleep, and the Lord gives him that vision of all these creatures, these creepy crawlers all coming around. He says, Peter, hey, you hungry, dude? Take it up and eat. Here's some food. And Peter looks at it and says, oh, no, Lord. I would never do that. Peter was fearful of breaking what he understood to be the law. And it wasn't until the Lord spoke to him the second time, said, Peter, don't call unclean what I call clean, that finally the Lord revealed to him what was going to happen. And then Peter, this good law-abiding Jew, was now able to go to a Gentile by the name of Cornelius and to be able to share with him the hope of the gospel found in Christ. He didn't let his fear rule his life. Thus, God used him in the opening of the door to the Gentiles. Disobedience, oh gosh, we could go round and round and round of the walls that disobedience puts within lives. The limitations of ministry, the the cutting short of of ministries, uh, the ineffectiveness of ministries. Oh, is the gift there? Yeah, the gift is there. But because of disobedience, the gift is not as effective as it ought to be. Fear and disobedience, two things that will keep you from really fully experiencing all that God wants to do in your life. The reason I'm taking so slow through these gifts of the Spirit here in this study in second or in First Corinthians chapter twelve. It's because most of my Christian life I was in a church, I ministered, I was on staff at churches, I taught in churches that believed that these gifts at best they're they're done away with, and at worst when we see them here, it's the devil that's doing it. And man, I believe that. And I argued with a friend of mine. I, I remember to this day, I was a manager of a pool supply store. We were only been married for a short time. One of the delivery guys was an Assembly of God brother. And he and I would get into discussions and he started talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I don't agree with everything maybe that the Assembly of God does. That's okay. That's not the issue. But he came and he began, man, he, he wanted to just open my eyes and to share and to speak about what these gifts are. And I remember to this day looking at him and saying, Bill, those things are of the devil. And if you don't get away from them and put them down, God will never be pleased in your life. And I think it broke the guy's heart. I think it was sad because I had thrown up a wall of limiting God because I'd believed the party line rather than really sought it out within the word of God to see what does it really say there? What is it really speaking to us here? Has God done away with these things or has man simply misused them? Man's misused them. I'd rather seek the correct usage because all too many believers, they're shying away from the correct usage. And so the edifying and the equipping work of a local church is being stifled, being held back, not only of the church itself, but of each of one of us individually. 
Why? Because I'm moving in fear rather than obedience. As we conclude our time here today on The Open Word, we'd like to thank you for listening. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 1 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us again on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the open word with you on the go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching the open word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical-based teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at theopenword.com, be sure to click on about for information about the ministry of the open word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is theopenword.com. That's all the time we have for today here on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope that you have a blessed day.